Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com mailbag podcast. Glad to have you along with us on this Thursday with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along. Be sure and check out our friends at Blue Water Climate Control at their website, bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. You can check them out on Twitter at blueh2o underscore climate. For all of your HVAC needs, they're the people you need to call. So give them a buzz at 865 299-2290 or check them out online guys plenty to get to in this mailbag edition of the podcast uh we're going to go ahead and dive into this because uh, i don't think there's any early ruling coming on this on thursday morning um your thoughts on the fact that the commissioner of the southeastern conference greg sankey saying um that he's got no timetable on when he'll make a decision no, that doesn't mean meaning that that he might not make a decision before Friday or Saturday regarding three players who are seeking immediate eligibility transferring uh, to another SEC school. And he put it back on the coaches saying, um, you know, this is the measure that coaches put into place. And if they want, uh, uh, they want it to be different then they need to change the rules and not get into the waiver world. Your thoughts on Greg Sankey's response uh, when he visited with the media on the teleconference on Wednesday and his appearance on WJOX. I thought it was weak. I thought it's weak to hide behind an old rule. You know that you're not having this thing. They wouldn't even change the rule, be able to change the rule, in my estimation, Brent, before the one-time transfer waiver even goes into effect because likely this rule would be what voted on next year at the coaches' meetings, and, you know, if there is such a thing in Destin. I mean, like, I, I it just seems weak. Um, but it also seems like, you know, hey, when you're admitting that, that change is coming with the one-time – you know, waiver transfer rule, then it sounds like you're talking about both sides of your mouth. I mean, like, you know, it's coming, but then you're talking about holding these, you know, holding them to this old rule. It just seems so backwards. Yeah. I just, I mean, I'm the UAP. I thought it was weak and I, and I think it was kind of unlike commissioner Sankey too, because I mean, I've been, I've been a pretty big fan. I mean, I'm, you know, all joking aside about taking care of Alabama and Georgia with the scheduling. I mean, I, I think he's, you know, kind of been a, a beacon of logic during, you know, the, the past four or five months and to, to not, not just Cade, but, you know, the other kids too, in a year where they, you know, they've gotten NCAA approval eligibility is nobody's eligibility clock is running anyway. I mean, I just, I, I just think it's a really, really bad look. Well, I mean, and I don't know the answer to this. So I'm just going to ask it out loud. I'm sure Tennessee's probably asking a similar question, and so is Ole Miss, and so is, I guess, Kentucky as well. What, what does the league office gain by holding them out this fall? I guess they keep from making Georgia upset. I mean, is, is that – could that actually be it? Or does Sankey – is he not want to set a precedent that it's okay to – to move within the conference. But again, if there's a, if he's admitting that the one-time transfer waiver is going into effect six months from now, it don't matter what he thinks. Because at the end of the day, if a kid wants to go from Vanderbilt to Arkansas in six months, once that goes into effect, they can do it. Unless, I mean, unless, would, unless would the SEC any... says we're, we're not going to allow that. Regardless yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, Brent. I mean, do you think that they could have their own bylaws that were, you know, contradictory to the I mean, play? I mean, we'll to come in from out of conference, but you're not moving from LSU to, to Georgia. As one person told me, it's like the president making a decision, and then all of a sudden the vice president goes, wait, wait, i got to make my own decision. 
<laughs> well, I, tell you, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I would go take it a step further and say it's like the, you know, Congress deciding something, something and then like state legislatures disagreeing with it. They, it's even better. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, weed being legal in California, but federally, it, you know, illegal. I, I just, I don't understand. I just don't understand what, I guess I'm having a hard time grasping the end game. I, and again, I understand why the commissioner would not want to get into specifics, okay? But to come out and say, well, I mean, I don't have a timetable. We'll do this. Basically, I'll do this whenever I want to rule on this. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like he's playing God with these kids' careers and, yeah, I mean, and leaving I, them dangling I, on the flagpole. Yeah, I, I, don't, I just I don't understand. I'm a little – I just don't understand kind of what the – again, the end game or, or what the rationale is. Uh, at this point, you know, um, I think the one-time transfer thing is coming, and I don't think that anybody's going to stop it unless the league steps in, and I don't think the league coaches are going to vote in, in favor of not allowing transfers to happen within the league because I think that that could hurt you in recruiting, and coaches don't want to do – don't want to look at that or, or anything like that. So, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But, Volcan, hopefully that answers your question uh, a little bit. That was uh, one of the questions in, in the in – the, mailbag but I, I wanted to jump into that before we got into the other questions because you know obviously this is a topic on everybody's mind and, and we'll see um if we get an answer on that you know sometime later today or on, on friday in regards to you know the decision they, they make on Cade mays tennessee obviously has to prepare uh to not have him on the field austin what does that look like with the offensive line if Cade's not out there in your opinion well, to start the game, I, I went back and forth on this. Uh, I, I'm going to go Jameer Johnson gets the start at left tackle. I thought uh, you had one day start. I, I, I thought he made a run. He was going to make a run, but I think Jameer, Jameer, Jameer. No, they're not playing paper rocks. <laughs> um, but I think Jameer's had a, a such a good, strong fall camp that the coaches, I think, are going to end up ultimately rewarding him. He's been out there every practice. He's done what they've asked. And he's had a good fall camp. So, I think they're going to reward him. I think both kids play. Uh, Trey at left tackle – or uh, sorry, at left guard. Brandon Kennedy at center. Um, right guard, I think a lot of it depends on, you know, what happens with, with Cade. Let's I think assume be, he's not out there. I think it's going to be Jerome Carvin with Spragans getting some action at some point um, to help spell Jerome. And then Darnell Wright at right tackle. Okay. So uh, we'll see what happens with Cade and, and how if Cade that wins the appeal. I think Cade plays right tackle, and and Carvin remains at the, at the right guard position. All right, yeah. let's jump into some other questions here. Uh, UT Sportsman sixteen Rob says this: It seems to have gone unnoticed, but on Monday Pruitt said some positive things. <laughs> I don't recall him saying about this team. He said he was confident in all the position groups and praised the overall leadership of this team. Aside from all the COVID stuff, is it safe to say that Pruitt really likes the potential of this football team? Uh, Rob, you've covered him for three years since he's been here. Every press conference, we've dissected basically every word he's said. Do you feel like that Jeremy Pruitt likes this football team, although he doesn't feel maybe that they're where they need to be right now because of all the practice time? Yeah. But overall, he likes his team. I've gotten that impression pretty much. I mean, I, I think his whole demeanor this fall camp. Now, maybe it's just because he doesn't have to deal with the media face-to-face. It's all been by Zoom. But I feel like he's been, you know, relaxed and um, – kind of at ease, at least publicly. Now, I'm sure behind the scenes he's fretting about not having, you know, enough time to prepare, about having so many kids miss practices. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he – I I have gotten that impression from him for sure. 
and I, you know, I, and talking to the kids, it just seems, you know, and, and it makes sense. Or in year three, I mean, everybody knows what the standards are. Everybody knows what the expectations are. I just, I think the whole, and again, you know, it's, it's weird because we're all, this is all being picked up via Zoom. But uh, I get the impression that pe- that it's a confident bunch from the coaches down to the players. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Austin, I thought this was an interesting comment that Jeremy Pruitt made on ball calls uh, Monday, Monday or Wednesday night when talking about leadership. He was asked about Jeremy Banks specifically, and he said that Jeremy Banks, at the request of players on the team, had been added to the team's leadership council, was in a part of the leadership group at the request of the team, that, that was a, the team wanted him added on to the leadership um, group. Um, pretty strong testament about what the team thinks of Jeremy Banks, pretty strong about how far Jeremy Banks has uh, reinvented himself, if you will, or you know, rehabbed his image, if you will, uh, given everything he was at a, a week, a, a year ago. Um, pretty impressive story from Jeremy Banks. Yeah, he's got a lot of Jawan in him from a standpoint that the kid just competes. He loves to compete. It doesn't matter what it's in. He's competitive. And, uh, you know, sometimes that competitive nature, you know, maybe goes overboard at times. But I think the players respect him. I think he's put in the work. Um, I think he will start alongside Henry at the other inside backer spot come Saturday. Um, what a turn of events. You know, and, um, you know, I, I can see why they would want him on there, though, because he does have a dynamic personality. Big smile, you know, infectious. People like to be around him. So I'm, I'm not surprised. And you think he's got to have the respect of people for everything he went through to, you know, to get back to be in this point, I would think. Yeah, I mean, think about it. He went and, and met with law enforcement officials multiple times. He went and met with, you know, all kinds of different organizations all over Knoxville. He didn't have to do all that. He could I have mean, transferred and played, be playing somewhere else right now. Yeah, I mean, he wanted to be here. He, he, I think he really respected Coach Pruitt for sticking behind him, even when he had to kind of, you know, take him off the team for a small stretch. And, uh, you know, I think much like Jawan did when Coach Pruitt gave him another chance, he's – to this point, you know, paying him back with, with, you know, just hard work, effort, and, you know, a, a competitive nature that's very similar to 15. Well, and I think that's another reason why Coach Pruitt likes his football team. I, I think that's why he likes this team. He likes their mental makeup. Maybe they're not where they want to be, but he does like the mental makeup of this team. And I think Jeremy Banks is, is an evident or a, a evidence of that as well. All right, I'm going to combine Vols 68-68 and I Heart Vols questions here. Austin, season, starting the season hot helps the most with which recruit? TID, Green, Munden, or Mims? Mims and Green. All right. As a follow-up to that, if Pruitt could pick only one of them, which one would he, would he choose? I'm not going to say you're going to speak for Jeremy Pruitt. Let me rephrase that. If, you, if, if picking one of those, which one of those guys do you think is most important to Tennessee's class? Mims. Really? Over TID? Yeah, left tackle. Okay. Fair left point. Ta- left tackle. I would go if, – if I was ranking them, I would go Mims, Green, TID, Munden. Just based on the fact that left tackles are hard to find and so are corners who can shut down there you two, go. Co- two coveted positions. There you go. And I think Tennessee's got a much better shot for TID than they do for Small Munden. And um, Small Munden – you know, 
I know he's not had the start to his senior year that many had hoped he would. Um, you know, so I, that's just – plus when you look at Tennessee's class, they've got Aaron, Aaron Willis, they got, you know, Terrence Lewis, and they've got a guy like Cayman Marley who, you know, could very well end up being a linebacker in time. So, you know, there are – there are, you know, some options there. And Tennessee honestly loaded up at linebacker in this last class when you look back at some of the guys that, you know, that are factoring uh, in the two deep and even the three deep. They're, they're young kids that, you know, Tennessee has hopes for. Do Fridge and Easton both end up staying there? You think uh, they get too big? For right now they are. But, you know, I think with each passing day, Bryce and Eason, uh may end up uh, transitioning to the defensive line sooner rather than later. Rob, if you're picking, you're picking a left tackle or a corner as a priority. Uh, I mean, it kind of depends. I mean, if you're the offensive coordinator, you're taking left yeah, tackle. Exactly. If you're the exactly. coordinator, if you're, you're, through, you're probably taking a shutdown corner. If you know you're, if you're an offensive mind, you know, if you're Lincoln Riley, you're probably taking the left tackle. All right. I is also wanted to know. Um, he said same question, but add Ty Simpson in there, just trying to gauge how important coveted he is. Listen, I mean, Ty Simpson's the – he's the priority for Tennessee in the class of 22 on the offensive side of the ball. There there are two priorities for Tennessee in 2022. One They're being both west Walter, of Jackson. One being Walter <laughs> Nolan, the other being Ty Simpson. Right. When, you sprinkle, when you sprinkle in, you know, guys like Evan Stewart, when you sprinkle in, you know, uh, uh, the kid out of Georgia, name escapes me, Addison, uh, uh, anyway um, – the, those are guys that Tennessee has ties with. It just, I mean, like, you have to land Ty Simpson. To me, he's the most important player for 2022. I, I know the the staff may argue that it's Walter Nolan, but I think if you get Ty Simpson, he only helps you recruit Walter Nolan. Your little backs are always a Pied Piper. For, I mean, it may not just help you so much with Walter Nolan, but with offensive skill players and offensive yes. linemen, it's, uh, those are always – like, you know, and everybody wants to ask, you know, well, what if you don't get Ty? You know, is it Sam Horn? No, it's not Sam Horn. You know, it, it's it's the young man from, you know, Thompson out, you know, high school in, in the state of Alabama. I mean, you know, when you look at the quarterback position, you know, Tennessee's going to be very selective in who they go after for 2022. MJ Morris is obviously one. Connor Harrell is the kid from Thompson. Um, you know. Those are guys that I think I see behind Ty Simpson for the 2022 class. All right, Smokey Man 15 wants to know, what are the season expectations for Roman Harrison? Banks starting at inside linebacker has to be a good indication on things. Does Q move around if it's 33 and 11 at the inside linebacker spots? Rob, what's your expectation for Roman Harrison? Man, I mean, I wish we could have seen some practice, but my expectations are that he's going to make an impact. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to replace Daryl Taylor's eight and a half sacks, but I think – I think he's Tennessee's most dynamic guy off the edge, potentially. I mean, I think he's, you know, athletically, um, strength-wise. I think I think Bennett is really solid, and I think he certainly exceeded what any of us expected him to do, you know, going back two years ago. But um, I think Roman's got the tools to be a, you know, a, a guy that, that makes some stuff happen. I'm the only one jumping on the, on the DeAndre Johnson train, right? He's your guy. <laughs> I'm the only one jumping on that train at this point. I think I think Roman's going to be – I mean, I think Roman's going to continue to grow and continue to get better. Um, you know, I think he has to learn to play with bend off the edge. and um, But but I think he I think he will have a solid year, and I think he'll be in that rotation from, from the get-go 
Austin, do you see Crouch moving around some, or do you think he's locked in, splitting time at inside linebacker? I can see him moving around some, but I, I think he and Banks will kind of spell each other. I don't think that this is a – Banks is playing the whole game and Henry right. you know, Henry's playing the whole game. I don't think this is a Banks is playing the whole game type thing. I think that they'll – depending on the series, you know, you'll see both. Maybe you know, maybe you'll see all three on the field at the same time. I, yeah, I definitely think that that's a, a possibility. And as for DeAndre Johnson – I look at it as the the opening scene from uh, what was it Toy Story two or three where uh, they're on the the train tracks and they blow up the bridge and you know the train goes down in the down into the the fiery pit something like that. I, I, Rob, your, your thought? I'm, I can't do a movie review of Toy Story two or three or four or twelve or whatever a number. Three's, three's, like three's kind of three's scary. Three's a scary movie. Is that? Yeah, right? I mean, well, I mean, okay. you know, they're stuck in the daycare with the with Lotso the bear, Laszlo, Lotso, Lotso. He's the he's he's scary. Big Boy, the baby. Good Lord, me, Rob. You know, he's one of the few characters you can meet oh, at uh, the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party that is canceled because of COVID. Oh, Stupid viruses. I brought this up. What was I thinking? Has really cut into my uh, Disney opportunities. Oh, okay. Well, there's your review of Disney Plus tonight here on the uh, Mailbag Podcast at VolQuest.com. All right, uh, Deshaun13 wants to know which Bailey plays the most snaps this year. I'm taking Dominique Bailey over I'm Harrison thinking, Bailey. Well, as far as pure snaps, yes, I would take Dominique Bailey. I'm not sure either play a whole lot. Yeah, I agree with what that. What is the story with Bailey and Thomas? Either either have a chance to crack the rotation. Uh, I think Omari does, but I, th- I think again they're so deep there. I know. I mean, I don't think it's a knock on those kids. And and, and you know, again, you you've gotten, you know, you you've got Darrell Middleton back this week. He's in on the practice field, so um, that's a good sign for the Vols. Yeah, certainly. And you got uh, you got Solomon back, who's certainly improving and, and getting better and. Seems to be rounding into a bit of form. They do have depth there. They do, they and, certainly have numbers. This there. Year, you can play those kids, you know, a couple series in, in in a game if you're, you know, if it's a blowout either way, and they can still redshirt. All right, Logan Bartlett wants to know. Realize you haven't been able to watch practice to form your own opinion. There's lots of unknowns, but how would you frame Pruitt and the rest of the staff's attitude about this team versus last year's team? Do they seem more optimistic and confident than the past? Anything in particular stand out? I'll start first with this one, Rob. I think you said it best earlier. Look, it's year three. These are all their players. They've grown in this system. They've grown to understand the standards. I don't think Jeremy Pruitt's having to preach standards and efforts. I think those are a given at this point in time. Uh, and so with that, I think brings about more confidence. Now, does that mean they're going to win every game? Does the staff think they're going to win every game? I'm not saying that. But I think the staff believes that going into every game, it's not it's not just about hey we're you know we're so outmanned. It's much more about hey we got a chance. We got to hit some things right. We got to scheme on some things right. Um, you know maybe maybe things got to go our way, but competitively we can compete with with this league, which I don't think they felt like they could certainly in year one, and I don't think they were there in year two. No, I agree. I mean, I think, and I think that's most evident on the lines of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. That's certainly – that's not rocket science. I want to just jump on something you said about these being Jeremy's players. I mean, I, I, you know, they, there is still a few Butch Jones holdovers, but I think that's been one of the most impressive things about this staff is Jeremy didn't – I mean, some guys transferred when he came in, obviously, but he didn't run a bunch of dudes off. And guys that were either underachievers or just non-factors or, or malcontents, like 
Jawan, guys who had never done anything like Matthew Butler and Kevon Bennett, guys who had underachieved like Nigel Warrior. I mean, he's gotten production out of like so many guys like that that the previous staff didn't. I think that's one, you know, a, a big reason that they are, you know, making tangible progress in the region. I mean, when you look at both sides of the ball, I mean, the, the Butch Jones, as Jesse would call them, the Butch Jones orphans. That was me. Come on. Give credit where credit's due. Okay, was it you? I, Jesse used it more than you did then. He, he, he loved it. He latched onto it and ran with it. 100%. Because um, every time I looked up, he was talking about it in the two-minute drill or whatever. So, um, but, I mean, there's obviously Jarrett. There's Ty Chandler and Trey Smith on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively, it's Bumpus and it's Matthew Butler. And then that's about it. I mean, Bennett. Kayvon Bennett and DeAndre Johnson. Hubs' his favorite, DeAndre Johnson. Um, My favorite. I'm just I, – I think he's going to make some plays this year. I think DeAndre Johnson may have actually switched from being a Butch Jones orphan to a member of the Hubs household. Oh, that's terrible. Holy smokes. That's what nope. – Coming from Uncle Austin. Coming from Uncle Austin. He wants to put one – he wants to put one – a player in my family. I mean, holy – I mean, you're you're on like twelve players Christmas card list, Austin. I mean, geez, do we, I think you're Secret Santa for like half a dozen people, half a dozen families on, on this team. All right, um, let let me ask it back. This let me ask this then, based on your all's comments, is that Jeremy Pruitt's greatest accomplishment? Is that is that the best thing? Maybe the, arguably the best thing he's done upon arrival here is that he didn't just create a bunch of castoffs and. And, and division within the ranks, so to speak. He rallied everybody to be his guys, even though he didn't recruit all those guys. Yeah, and I would, you know, cr- cross it over to basketball. I mean, it's kind of similar to what Bruce did with, you know, Dane Bradshaw, C.J. Watson, you know, guys that, you know, because that, that first team, I mean, he certainly didn't bring it. I mean, it's been years ago. I don't remember who all he brought in as a recruit, but I don't think it was anybody big time that first year when he, you know, turned things around and, you know, just ended up as, as a number two seed when nobody saw it coming. By the way, I left out Josh Palmer and Brandon Johnson. Yes, you did, AP. Shame on you. All right, LF Vol wants to know, were the contact tracing quarantine guys like Wanya able to lift and condition on their own? Second, it seems you all agree punt returners should not be guys on the two deep based on injury risk. Who would be your guests? Look, I think Velas Jones should return punts and, and return kickoffs. Uh, and, and the reason I'm going to go there is because you've got depth at that position. Um, so I, I'm fine with Vidalis Jones there. I'm just said I, I said this on the pie. I think we all agree. I'm not putting Eric Gray back there to take a chance on getting injury with the lack of depth you have to run it back position. Yeah, same thing with Ty Chandler on kickoffs. Although I think punts may actually be uh, um, Bryce Thompson. Interesting. And it's, they were able to work out. They didn't have to do it by themselves. They just had to social distance yeah. in, the, in the complex. Right. Uh, 68 uh, Vol fan, with our success this season focused squarely on J.G.'s shoulders and what seems to be improvements at every other position, rank J.G. 1 through 10, with his play last season being a low 4 at best, based on coaches' feedback and what little bit you've seen. Look, I've said this, and I think we all agree with this. Um, i got to see it on Saturday. Doesn't, doesn't, I mean, I'm not – I talked to somebody t- today who, who told me that, you know, they, they think practice is going real well. There's fewer balls on the ground. You know, the, the the timing seems to be there. All these all these wonderful kind of glowing remarks based on some people who observe practice. I, I still got to see it in a game. With, with, maybe with maybe Jared just got nervous around Jesse when he was throwing those routes on air. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't you think he's just got – I mean, it, I mean, he's got to go out and prove it. 
Oh yeah, he does. I, I mean, mean, like, I mean, that's obvious. And, right? and let's face it: the first two games, you you talked about this, you know, um, you know, when we when we taped the Rocky Top Roundtable, Brant. Jarrett's numbers against South Carolina are really good. So he's going to start against South Carolina, a team that he's moved the ball against, had success against, and then he's going to play Missouri, a team he threw for 400 yards on last year. That's a good so point. He, he should be able to get off to a better start just based off of the feels and the the memories of what he's been able to do against these teams in the past. Yeah. Mentally, he should come into the game feeling like he's going to do well. Rob, if he doesn't have confidence going into the, the first two weeks, particularly this opener here, I, I don't know what else you can do. I mean, he's had success against Will Muschamp's defenses previously. He's got a veteran offensive line in front of him. Uh, he's got two running backs behind him who have, are proven, you know, established guys. And he's got his same coaches back. I mean, he should have more confidence than he's ever had being Tennessee's quarterback heading into any game, much less the season opener. I don't have anything to add to that. I mean, I completely agree. The comfort level for him should be – somewhere it's you know it's it's never been in his time here all right last couple of questions here right quick tid has stated he's already made his decision and he knows what he's when he's going to announce he just hasn't said it publicly austin where do you think tennessee is with tid oh i don't know he's got uh, three he's got he's got three or four schools feeling he, good doesn't he? he's telling everybody that the, what they want to hear and and i like this kid okay i, I like him a lot I, I can sit there and have conversations with this kid you know, he, he he's very likable. But I think that's part of the problem is, is he likes everybody he talks to as well. They're like, oh, South Carolina, yeah, staying home. Oh, Georgia, yes, Tennessee. And I love when I came over there. Even North Carolina feels somewhat confident. So, I mean, like, Tennessee, I think there is reason to think that there's some positivity around Tennessee. But, again, I think that all these schools, and I've talked to a couple of different ones, they all feel the same way. All right. I'm with you 100%. All right. Uh, pine, rapid fire here, Pine Mountain Ball. AP, you've mentioned both Barron and Joseph lately. Do you see both of them as situational pass rushers this year, similar to how they used Roman Harrison a year ago? Yeah, I think they'll use them more, though. All right. Volunteered 87. Rob, who are some fellow – who are a few freshmen and sophomore in-state basketball players to keep an eye on long-term? Uh I was actually having a conversation about some about that with somebody today, and uh, because of the restrictions, you know, the dead period, no no live events. I, I really don't have a lot of names to throw at at you with the staff not being out of the road. One guy in state, uh, no for sure to keep an eye on is Jared Hall, Lebanon, six foot eight, sophomore, class of twenty three. That's but other than that, I'm uh, pretty pretty blank on twenty twenty threes and certainly on twenty fours. And Volunteer87 wants to know who's going to be in the box, who's going to be on the field. We, Austin, we know Osavat's going to be in the box. Mama Cheney, Niedermeyer. I'm not sure who the, the second defensive coach, you know. If, or it could just be Niedermeyer and a bunch of defensive QCs because they like to keep those defensive guys down on the field. Well, we, we know that Ansley's going to be on the field. Yes. Because that's where he wants to be. And the question then becomes where do they put Shelton Felton and Brumball? Brumball will be on the field. Yeah, and I think Shelton Felton probably will start down on the field because I don't think they're going to have both linebacker coaches uh, upstairs in, in yeah. the box. So I think they will they will go only one defensive coach, which I think is what they finished with last year, right, in the box? That's correct. Um, all right, uh, Galilee wants to know, with Memphis and Nashville not playing, how much is that hurting recruitment in the recruitment or recruiting in those cities? Nashville's playing. They start this week. And Memphis, eh, you know. 
That's how, their, much that, how much is that hurting those guys? I think it's hurting the kids a lot. You know, I mean, you don't, I mean, you don't think it, I mean, I, I think Nashville's going to get away with it because they're going to get enough of the season in. Uh, but, but those Memphis kids, like Cody Jones, like Cody Jones has grown. He's gotten faster. You don't think he could have used playing his, his, his junior year? Because I do. No, absolutely. I, I think if you're an established team in his recruitment, whether it's Tennessee or Florida State or whoever, that, that gives you a leg up on others because, you know, you, you were in there before, you know, he had a chance to really blow up. I tell you, who, uh, I tell you what else is hurting, Rob, is it's hurting the kids that are the non-Power 5 kids. Yep. When, when, yep. And when, say, when you look at Southern Conference, those schools trying to put their list together, they do that in the fall. They, they do that largely in the fall, and they're not getting to do that now. And another, another thing, just kind of similar to what I was talking about with the younger kids in basketball, I mean, juniors in Memphis, I mean, this is when they'd be showing up, you know, on the radar, and there's no, no game tape. That's, uh, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's hurting every program, but it's also hurting kids in that yeah, junior class. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Last question here, Volkin. Notice John Mincy at Jack linebacker on the depth chart that Austin posted. Is that a move for him, or is he splitting time between Jack and defensive end? Uh, he's playing a little bit of both, but they moved him uh, mostly uh, outside. Yeah, as they look for a pass rush in any way they can find it, right? Yep, yep that's right. Certainly what they're, what they're doing there. Hey, I mentioned them earlier in the broadcast. Don't forget our friends at uh, Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. You can go online, find out more information about them. If you need their services, you can book an appointment online. You can pick a day and time that works best for you. Remember this about Blue Water Climate Control. They're locally owned, uh, and they're going to do things the right way with you. The right repair the first time. Uh, they're going to give you a one-year warranty on all their repairs. They're not going to come out with a sales guy and sell a bunch of stuff to you. They're going to tell you exactly what you need with a trained technician who's going to come out and evaluate your system and go from there. And also, as we go back and forth from sweaters in the morning, for some people, sweaters in the morning and T-shirts in the afternoon. For people like me, it's a hoodie all day long. Uh, but it is that time of year where um, you're bouncing back and forth between your air condition and your heater. It's a great time to make sure Everything's ready for the winter, so you can get your tune-up for the fall and the winter as well at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. That's going to do it for this mailbag edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.